Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Real Investing Show with uh, Stephen Earp and my co-host, the great Taylor Davis. And we're real excited. Today, we have a special guest that I'm just getting I'm just getting to know that invests here in Oklahoma real estate and maybe other areas too. But uh, before we go much further, I'll let Taylor, why don't you tell us, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah. So uh, this is Vishal. So Vishal uh, has been, uh, I've known, we were just talking about it uh, longer than I realized. Uh, we were talking about how <laughs> we now remember things pre-COVID and post-COVID. And uh, so we started working together pre-COVID and, and I, I didn't realize it had been that long. But uh, so we've been working together for a couple of years now. Uh, he's been investing in Oklahoma. So Vishal, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from and what you do. Sure, man. Uh, well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's exciting to talk about real estate. It's always good to talk with some like minded people. So, um yeah, background on me. So I live in northern New Jersey. Um, I am obviously an out-of-state real estate investor. That's more of maybe like my side hustle, I'll say. My, my primary business is I am a licensed real estate agent in New Jersey. Um, I specialize mostly in luxury rentals and condos. Um, my market is in northern New Jersey. It's, it's waterfront. So most of my products that we sell or rent, they're High-rise condo or luxury rental buildings with amenities and stuff, pretty much facing Manhattan with like, you know, with with nice views and stuff like that. So that's my main market, um, and I've been doing that for about five plus years, going into six years. Um, prior to that, I was in the fashion industry, and I used to work in Manhattan for that. And then I just got out of that, which is a whole other story as to why I got into real estate. But um, it led me here, and one thing led to another. I started really getting into that into that luxury rental market. And then it just, it just progressed into saying, Hey, well, I'm renting a lot of people's apartments. Why don't I just start finding my own apartment so I can rent to, to actually to my own people. And then I just thought it would be better going out of state for a bunch of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into and um, led me to Oklahoma. It led me to Taylor and, you know, man, we're almost, we're almost three years in and here we are. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. So, so you, uh, Vishal, you, you started, um, so you're a local, you're a licensed agent in your local area. Do you run a team or is it just kind of you or? No, I mean, it's a, so it's a solo. I've been a solo agent now for up until this year. Now I have two agents that work with me. Um, so we started a little bit, we started a group called the Morjani group, which is Morjani is my last name. Um, so it's starting, we're starting to build out that team. Um, so we're kind of on the early infant stages of that process right now, but it's really exciting. And, um, I think it's just only going to be great for all of our clientele on this, on this side of the side of the country. So, yeah. um, we're excited. That's great. So did you start, did you start then, do I understand correctly? You started as an agent first and then decided to get involved in investing or were you investing? Correct. Okay. So yeah. what led you into real estate investing? So it's something I always wanted to do. So it's just, you know, I had a relative that basically used to always say, Hey, like get into real estate. That's like the way to go. And that's like the long-term play. And it always stuck in my head. And I knew once I wanted to get into real estate as an agent, I knew the progression in my mind was become an agent and then start investing. And then, you know, eventually that, you know, eventually that focus maybe starts going more more towards the investing side. And then as an agent, then we build out our team and our infrastructure. So then that becomes more of a um, self-running machine, so to speak. 
So, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. So, so that was the goal, and um, and 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 we're we're getting towards there. So that's yeah. So I mean, I, I became an agent first, but with the mindset of yeah, investing is definitely like going to play an important role in my future. And it took you know took me about three four years of being an agent. Then I really started diving into the investment side, which so which five great. five six years ago, you're in completely different industry. You have no background in real estate. And now you're investing halfway across the country. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. That's, okay. that's it's, it's been a journey. So, Michelle, tell me, you've got, and you, you, you clearly, you're a few years in at, uh, to being an agent in your area, right? Right. You're renting out these luxury condos. You're selling these luxury condos. Why didn't you go the luxury condo route and just stay in your own backyard? <clears throat> Well, I think like what happens is I think as an investor, the first thing is really identifying your goals and what you really want. Right. And I think in New Jersey, especially my area in terms of like northern New Jersey, which is Hudson and Burton County, those are the counties. Um, it, it, it's not it wouldn't be conducive to the goals that I wanted to achieve because my goal was really more cash flow than like an appreciation play. And okay. in New Jersey, Jersey is a great place for appreciation. Right. Like, I mean, over here, uh I mean, over here, if you find deals, that's a four cap. That's considered amazing over here. And the reason being is the property taxes, we have some of the highest in the country. Our average property tax rate is almost 3%. Um, so that's very I make expensive. my living off 3%, so I know how much yeah. it is. <laughs> so our, our, uh, our insurances are really expensive as well out here. So And also, like our price values, they're, they're, they're definitely on the higher side. So you definitely have to pay a little bit more to play, so to speak. So you know, that only leads to maybe some like bigger players to really gobble up some assets and stuff like that. And like the guys, like, you know, the people who are doing it more on an intimate scale, I'll say, or maybe a mom and pop scale. Um, it's a little bit harder to find those deals that you want to achieve in terms of cash flow. So it's just not the market to, to achieve my goals. And that's what led me to go out of state. And, uh, you know, that that's just what led me to go out that way. Um, okay. Just, so, you, so you first established that your goal was cash flow. And you established Correct. what you wanted your goal to be. And then you said, okay, well, this isn't the market to do it. What is the market to do it? So how did you start sifting through? Uh, there's 50 states. How did you decide where to yeah. invest? So a lot of research at night, right? Like that was just kind of like the night job whenever I was like at home. And I mean, I think there was a few places that came to mind that I thought could achieve those goals. And Oklahoma was one of them. There were some other states that we were looking into, but really it just came, what I, what I realized was when I was looking to invest out of state, you're going to only be as good as like the team that you find or your boots on the ground out in that market. Right. And I was trying to find really good, some help in some other states and get like some good, some good, uh, I'll say foot soldiers for us. And um, I wasn't really achieving that in some of the other markets we were looking in. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma City happened to be one of those markets. And then obviously, you know, I, I, you know, you were one of the, I think you were the third person I called in that market. And the other two, you know, they kind of, they brushed us, they brushed me off a little bit. They didn't really think I was actually serious. Like, what's this guy from New Jersey really know anything about Oklahoma? Like, is he really going to buy out here? Like, what, what, what's going on here? And you were probably the first person that really gave me like an in-depth, like honest conversation on the market. And it was just, it just connected. So okay. that's what led me to say, hey, 
all right, let's just take the next step and see if we can actually find something now out in this market. Because I just think finding like a good investor friendly agent was probably the first step. And I thought I found that pretty well with you guys. And that's what led me to go go this way. Well, and I'd love for you to continue to talk about me. And <laughs> I, I'm really curious, though, what were some of these other markets that you were looking in? Yeah, so we were looking in um, Jacksonville, Florida was one of the markets we were looking in. Uh, I was looking in like the Memphis surrounding areas in Tennessee and the Nashville areas. I was looking even down in like that Alabama coast, Mobile and that area down in like the Alabama Gulf Coast, um, Pennsylvania. I was looking in like Pittsburgh and some of those areas out there. Um, and yeah, so we were just looking in a few different areas and it just it just, you know, it just clicked over here. Okay, you know, over what here, meeting Oklahoma. And I'm curious, just for people that are maybe interested in doing this, what were you looking for? What were some of those, the things that made those the attractive markets? So we were looking for, so the for me personally, the biggest thing was stability, right? Um, I was looking for a pretty good, like stable market. So I'm very conservative when it comes to investing, regardless if it's real estate or what any, any other investments that we have. I, I tend to be on the conservative side. So what I liked about Oklahoma specifically was, you know, it, it's it's not one of those markets that take like the ups and downs, right? You don't, there's not like those big pendulum swings like you're seeing right now, maybe in like Austin and some of those, some of those cities around in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really attractive to me. And I thought the job pool was pretty stable, right? Um, there's, there's a good amount of industries out in Oklahoma that, that can sustain, um, that can sustain a good like renter pool. It's pretty diverse with like military, there's oil, obviously. Norman, you know, obviously OU is a huge driver of tenant pools out there and stuff like that. So I thought it was diverse. I liked how it was, I, I liked how it was pretty stable in terms of like, you know, looking at the data, even back to like, 08, there wasn't like a huge, huge dip in Oklahoma city in that Metro compared to, you know, some of the other, some of the other parts of the country. And that was attractive to me. And that's what led me to really say, Hey, this is a great market to like look into and pursue. That's awesome. So, so when you decided, um, <clears throat> when you decided, when you looked at Oklahoma City and you're like, this is where I want to go, where's your process? You're looking at other areas too. And then you start just looking out, reaching out to realtors. Was that your next step was to try to find an agent? Yeah. And yeah. Did you do like multiple cities at the same time and you were just kind of seeing what would stick? The first, the first, yeah, right. So the first step was definitely identifying the market. The second step was finding the agent, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, that's probably your first few properties are going to go that way. You're not going to go creative in terms of like sending out mailers and stuff if you don't really know the market, right? So you're going to try to find a good investor friendly agent. Um, so I, I, I didn't do it simultaneously, honestly. I kind of went one by one from city to city. So I started in Florida. And I tried calling some agents and I, it wasn't really working. And then I got a little bit. I don't want to say deterred, but I got a little, maybe a little frustrated. And then I went to another market and I tried doing that. And I think Oklahoma was like the third city that yeah. I was trying to pursue. Mm -hmm. And then I guess third time's the charms because then it kind of worked. <laughs> if you, like, let's say I, if, if me or if someone watching wanted to start investing long distance. Yep. It's fascinating to me. So I've never invested long distance um, at all. And when I first got involved in real estate, um, a lot of the old timers, they were like, you got to invest in your backyard. Yeah. You got, you can't drive to it. Don't go there. And I'm talking about like guys that are like big ballers, you know, that, that yeah. and uh deck of millionaires back in the eighties and nineties that, you know, and so, um, so talk to me about like, like, you don't see risk 
going long distance? Like for someone who's thinking that sounds crazy, what would you say? I think there's there, there's a little bit of a risk factor, but I think technology really limit, mitigated that risk, right? So I think going back to like some of the older people and the older school of thought, and, and I have friends and family over in New Jersey that say the same thing that, that you're saying as well. Like, hey, stay in your backyard. That's what you know, um, you know, play your strengths, so to speak. But I think technology really makes that makes that leap of faith of going out of state a lot easier because we have tools like obviously there's so many platforms to look at listings in terms of finding agents. There's, you know, you have Google Maps, you have like so much data in terms of like what our economy drivers are and stuff like that. So I think that really helps make it less scary. Um, and I think also, again, like I think once you get to a comfort level of finding that right team on the ground and you start getting comfortable there, well, then like the network just kind of goes off. For example, like I got connected with Taylor and his team and then I was looking for a property manager and then they recommended me a property manager and then I needed a contractor and then the contractor came that way. And then um, uh, I think you guys connected me to my insurance agent over there. Um, and then like, and then he recommended me for some people and then like, you know, the, the, the reference pool and like your, 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 your list of people and vendors just start growing from just word of mouth and networking. So, um, Which is the same, way it works, the same way it works locally. I mean, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. And we don't, we don't need, I don't need to, I mean, listen, I've only truthfully, I've only flown to Oklahoma twice since yeah. I've been doing this long distance real estate journey. So it's not like I'm, I'm not taking flights there every, every month or anything. I mean, yeah, I'm sure as time goes on, that's definitely going to be more frequent. But in the beginning, I mean, if you, if you trust the eyes on the ground, then you can totally make this passive and not have to really fly out there all the time. I think like, I think that's kind of a, I think that's a myth of saying like, Hey, you got to go out there and really see it. Well, if you trust the people that are there, well, then you don't really need to do that now, do you? You know? Well, and if you're in, in remembering your goal is, is cash flow, you're able to yeah. see the results of that cash flow, whether you fly out here and see the property or not. Right. I mean, yeah. So, so step one, you identified the market. Step two, you found an investor friendly agent. What did you, so what makes, a, an agent investor friendly? What were some of the questions that you asked? What were some of the things that you were looking for that kind of made that seem like you've had conversations that didn't go the way you wanted? What were some of those questions that you were asking? Well, I think the first question was asking number one, Hey, um, I'm an investor. I'm out of state. So like, are you okay with like doing everything remotely? I'm not going to go out and look at property. So there's gonna be a lot of video, a lot of like stuff like that going on a lot of exchanges back and forth that you know, it can be kind of tedious sometimes. You, you know, it's harder to work with investors, right? As opposed to um, maybe somebody just looking for a primary home because it's more cut and dry on the investor side. There's a lot of other factors you have to look into. Like maybe, especially for someone out of state, you're taking videos for that person. Um, you're running the numbers and pretty much getting an idea of what the rents are and like what your return, what your cash on cash return might be on that, on that asset. So just being able to answer those questions was really important. And then also just understanding like the local markets, the drivers of like the employment and like, you know, knowing the areas that like what to look into and whatnot. So for example, like Nor we'll use Norman as an example, right? Like there's, there's pockets of Norman, you know, if you go to the South, you know, you go to certain sides of Norman, maybe it doesn't pull as great as a tenant pool as other parts of town. I mean, I want to get the specifics of the towns just to, just out of, you know, just, right. just to keep it vague, but um you know, I, I think those things are really important, not and not just to have an agent to be like a yes person to be like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Bye. Yes, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Like you want somebody to really be like, hey, well, that's 
it's a nice place and it's all, you know, it's a nice house or whatever, and there's potential, but uh, I don't know if this area is going to pull the type of tenant pool that you want, you know? And I think having that conversation with them of what you're looking for in a tenant pool, and then also identifying those areas that you can find that, that, that criteria. I think that's important. I don't think every agent would necessarily just have that upfront candid conversation with you. A lot of times, unfortunately, it becomes kind of like a yes game, right? You're saying yes to everything, you know? Now, how many of the properties that you bought were rent ready? Uh, were, were there any, were, were, have you bought some that you didn't have to do anything to, or most of them have you done a rehab to? No, there's some that were rent ready. Like I even bought some new construction stuff. So okay. it's pretty diverse, right? So there's stuff I'd probably say in terms of rent ready, maybe, t- maybe 25% of them were rent ready. The other 75, we had to do some work. But right? you can't manage a construction site from halfway across the country. How do you do that? So again, I think also part of building out that team is obviously finding like a great contractor, right? And that's that's like probably the second step I'd say is once you find the investor, the investor friendly agent, then you got to find like that, I guess, the investor friendly contractor, right? Um, that was a challenge at first. Um, I'm not going to lie. You guys recommended, you. I, I went to you guys as a referral for the contractors and that seemed to work out really well because again... It, it's, it's, I think the best referrals are word of mouth or past references from people that have actually had experiences of using them because then also when there's that referral basis, well, that contractor maybe thinks that his reputation's on the line as well. And it's not just some random person approaching them, you know? Um, Cause then say, Hey, if you recommend me a contractor, he doesn't do a good job on me. And I tell you, well, then that's going to affect, that's going to affect him on your projects. Right. Right. Um, so that was important. And, and really, again, that comes back to, the agent as well, really kind of helping out to check up a little bit. Like, Hey, like you mind popping in every week or so, see what's going on and seeing what's going on over there and, you know, making sure everything's aligned and stuff like that. And we're doing a lot of video back and forward and FaceTime and, and and in terms of, in terms of, um, you know, asking on figuring out what work needs to be done and what we want to do and, and whatnot. But again, I mean, it goes back to that technology aspect. I mean, you can make it, you don't have to be there as long as you got guys on the ground that are trustworthy, you know, and that it's, 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 and, and then, and on the renovation side, it's, it's pretty much once you figure out a formula, it, then it kind of becomes a rinse and repeat thing too. Right. Like once you write, once you rehab one thing and you get like one or two rounds with like, with your vendors, well then they kind of know what you want as well. So then like the, it becomes more and more fluid as each time each one goes, goes along. Right. Then you know what paint colors I want, you know what flooring I'm going to do, you know, I want to, you know what carpet I want to do in the bedroom. You know what appliances I'm, you know, you know what I'm expecting in terms of appliances and stuff like that. So then it, the questions become less and it becomes more fluid as time goes on, you know. It's just a relationship at that point. It's it's all relationship. I just think that's the way, if you're going to go out of state and you're going to find and you really want to do this and you want you want to really build out your team, I think you just, it, it just, it, it's, it's referral based, it's word of mouth and it's, I think that's the best way to do it. Like, I just, I can't, I can't fathom myself going on Google or Thumbtack or something like that and trying to find contractors. Like I just, I, it's not, I'm sure people do that and, and maybe they're successful in it, but like, I just don't think that's, I think that's a lot more risky. So um, that's, yeah. that's how we've done it. It's been good. It's been, it's been, it's been great. So 
Um, and obviously as time's on, as time goes on, you build out, you build out more, more and more relationships and people that you can utilize. I would be interested, Michelle, in what, <clears throat> what kind of surprises have you run into? Or maybe, you know, if you had it to do over again, what, what would you do differently? What are some of the things that you planned for and worked well? And what are some things that you're kind of surprised by? Ooh, what am I surprised by? Um, I think... The biggest surprise that I've, sorry, no one's ever asked me that question. So I'm stumbling a little bit, but, uh, but um, I think one of the things that really surprised me when I went into this journey was um, sometimes you might think things are rent ready, but they're actually not right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's a big surprise. You come in and you're like, oh man, I don't really have to do much over here. And you get in there and then maybe you realize a weekend, well, there's like a sewage leak underneath the house. That happened to one of my houses. So there was a sewage leak underneath the house. And then we had to like, dig it up and like put a new line in and stuff and pull a permit from the town and whatnot. And it was, it was off. It was, it was a pain. So, you know, expect the unexpected. That's what I've learned. And, and those surprises now you've gotten a little more immune to it. And, and, and you factor that into your numbers too, like knowing that you might get some unexpected stuff. So that's something that we really factor into our numbers now for like, you know, when I'm running my cash on cash return and I know I'm going to put a rehab, I probably put an extra 5,000 for just unforeseen stuff. You know, it's just it's just miscellaneous, literally, when I'm putting it on my spreadsheet. Because you know? on some things it'll be zero and on some things it'll be ten and ten yeah. K. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you get into something and like you're able to salvage more than you think too, which which is kind of those those I wish those happened more often than not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so um that's a big surprise. That, that's something that I, if I could do it over again, I would probably do that. I'd factor that into my numbers a little bit too, you know? Um, but in terms of anything else I would do over, honestly, not much. Also, I'm not that type of guy to really look backwards. So I, yeah. I, just, I, I never, I think that, I think that question doesn't really do any good sometimes because, well, I can't really, I don't have a time machine. So I think all <laughs> those mistakes, I think all those mistakes that you made is a great learning process. And I think it only helps you going forward. So Dude, that, that's a great, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. That answer and that mindset is so prominent among successful investors. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's that we, you don't look at failure as the end. It's the learn. It's just the yeah. process. It's part of it. Um, so you know, my, my favorite, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. My favorite quote is a Robert Frost quote and it says the best way out is through. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's the best way to get, it's, it's the best way to go about things. It's the best way to learn. And like you said, those failures are great learning lessons and, and look like sometimes they're expensive, unfortunately, but you know, it, it's, you know, hopefully it prevents you from not repeating it. not yeah. repeating that mistake. You know, I have a question about just your entrepreneurial drive. Like, you know, how do you balance, can you talk a little bit about like, I mean, you, you obviously you prepared and you did your homework in advance, but then you took action. Like, how do you know, okay, I'm ready to execute versus just looking at it? Because I think a lot of people who yeah. want to get into investing, investing are sort of like analysis paralysis and they never take action. But you obviously, you did the research and you took action. So how did you decide that? Man, I think, I think that goes back to the mindset conversation we were just having, you know, yeah. um, just it's, it, it's easy to analyze. And, and I think if you overanalyze, it, it, it's an easy thing. It's easy to fall into that trap. You know, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. Like there's deals I looked at where I just kept like looking at numbers and find, like looking at scenarios and 
you lose out on, and then you lost out on that opportunity, which is, which is unfortunate. But um, I think what I've always been that type of person to just kind of go and do things, you know, like I, I, I'm always, I, I tend to respond and act pretty quickly, no matter what it is, whether it's me being an agent and really like helping those clients find those homes or those rental property or, or, you know, getting them to a rental or getting them into a condo or whatever. So I've always been proactive on that side. So I think that that nature just always, it just spilled over on the investing side. So I knew it was something I wanted to do. I had a really good mindset about it. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that motivated me was probably, I had a friend who I spoke to, who was like a really close family friend. And I was talking about, Hey, I'm starting to do investments. I'm looking at like out of state real estate investing and he does it too. He invests in the Carolinas. That's his market. Um, but he's been doing it for a while. And then we just started talking and he was like, Vishal, man, like you can study all you want, but you just got to, you just at some point just pull the trigger and you'll figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people are just really, again, it goes, I think people are really scared of the journey. I think they're really scared of like expecting the unexpected, but I look at the other way. I think it's exciting. Like, I think it's fun to like run into those hurdles and those problems. And mm -hmm. it's just, it, I think you just got to look at it as like a journey and just embrace it, you know? So, so once you discovered that, or you felt a connection with, with a real estate investor friendly agent, um, right. and you were like, okay, Oklahoma is my market. This is what I'm going to do. How long from that kind of like, Hey, that I'm seeing what I want here to under contract was that journey for you to under contract on your first deal. It was honestly pretty quick. Um, it probably was. I think we, I think it was like December or January when we closed on, when I closed on that first property in Norman. And I think I started talking to you guys, like I'm, it might've been like November or like October when we first started talking. So really it was only a couple of weeks. And the funny thing was, I remember like I was telling my wife about this and, and she knew, and, and she was completely on board and we were totally doing this. Um, we had, we had the same mindset of like doing out of state and that was like the right path. But obviously she was like, Hey, Vishal, like you're, you're, you're in the industry. So you're going to take the lead on this. And I said, absolutely. So I remember I started that process and then three weeks later I went to her. I'm like, Hey, so we bought a house. <laughs> she, she just looked at me. She was looking at me like, what already? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, where is it? I said in Norman, Oklahoma. And she was like, well, I have to look at a map. I don't know where Norman is. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's, it's a great. And then we started talking about it and we realized it was a great thing. And, um, she she was totally like, hey, this seems like a great opportunity. Like, well, let's let's keep doing this. This is exciting. Um, so yeah, it wasn't fast. It wasn't long, man. So it was quick. So yeah. you you buy this property? Uh, is that and then what? Three months later, COVID happens. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts? I mean, I think that that's a time that everyone grabbed their seat, right? Uh, yeah. What were your yeah. thoughts going? Oh my gosh, I have this property halfway across the country during yeah. a pandemic. What what like what happened? I th I think it was so so COVID was so unknown and it was so it was so new that I I think nobody had any idea what to expect during that time, right? I think it was just there's not a lot of data on on things like that that happen. I think you have to go back to 1918 during the Spanish flu for to even get some sort of similarity of what happened. Yeah, of a, similar, of a similar situation, but um, um, I 
I didn't, we weren't too, we weren't too afraid. Cause actually when COVID hit, we actually had another property already. So we had two under, our, I think we had two or might have had three under our belt. Sorry. I'm drawing, I'm trying to remember, but we weren't really that scared because during the time, even during those first few months when it was like, you know, the height of COVID where everything was on lockdown and, and, and it was really kind of, there was a lot of question marks. Um, we were still getting rent. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, it didn't really, it, it didn't affect us financially and we were still getting rent and, and they were still, people were still paying on time. And then we started learning that there was like some, some, some state or local municipality programs that they were doing like CCP and stuff like that for people who couldn't. Yeah. Um, so that gave us a little more, that gave us some confidence and assurance that, Hey, if they can't, then they have these options too. So, um, Plus, during that time, the rates kept dropping, too, on interest rates. So we also looked at it as an opportunity. We were like, all right, well, you know, it, it's, it's a tough market and things are going on. But, man, like these interest rates are, are – are, 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 I don't think we'll ever get such low rates ever again. <laughs> so, I don't so see how we the opportunity. could. I don't see yeah. how yeah. we could. Uh, no. Yeah. So we have a question from one of our viewers on one of our Facebook pages. Um, she's asking, so you're investing long distance in another state? Are you investing, are your rentals short-term rentals or long-term rentals and why? Great question. I should have probably said that. So um, they are long-term rentals. They're not short-term. Um, all of my rentals are long-term. That's just, um, you know, again, I think part of it is we're, I'm trying to make it as passive as I can with the income. And I think if you're doing short-term, there's a lot more involvement and there's right. a lot more time that has to be made into right making that business successful and you know i just have to understand you know understanding the time i have to a lot to to my real estate investing journey the long term is probably the best best path for me right now and also it's what i know as well right like i come from i come from a luxury rental background you know last year we did we leased over 110 luxury rentals in my market so wow. you know it's what i know I know the leasing game. I work with prop. I work with some of the largest property management companies in the country by us. You know, Graystar, Bazudo. These are some like some of the bigger property management companies in the country. I'm sure they have assets in Oklahoma as well. Um, but it's just be. It was what I knew, and I think like I think part of part of it is playing to your strengths, and that's just a strength of mine. So um, that was the other thing as well. So. What would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's who's right on the fence of making their first transaction? Uh, you know, it, one of the things. Well, one of the things that you just pointed out is there's always an opportunity, right? Like I asked you a question of like, "Hey, this very scary thing happened," and you go, "Wait, but there's this great opportunity." So you know, people are. I think people right now are often looking at the market, going, "Hey, there's an uncertainty here. I'm scared. I'm going to wait." Someone sitting on the fence right now and is thinking about their first long-term rental. What advice would you give to them? I would say my advice would be if if it meets the criteria of what you're looking for and the numbers make sense based on what you're doing and you're confident in those numbers, then you should just go for it. That's that's my advice. I think real estate is always going to be a great asset and a great way to build long-term wealth. And I think um, if you hold my personal philosophy is if you hold an asset long enough, you'll, you'll, you'll eventually see the return, right? Like if you look at those, you look at any chart on real estate and you'll see like, you'll see the dips and it goes down, but then it goes up, but then you see it keeps climbing, right? There's dips, but the, you know, but the dips keep climbing up and up and up. Right. So 
you know, there's going to be bumps along the road, but you know, it's like, it's like anything you'll, you'll, you'll run into hiccups, but eventually in the long run, you'll, 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 you'll look back and say, wow, I, you I came out. Okay. You yeah. Know? So I guess it's like, look back 25 or 30 years and anyone who bought any property anywhere and you know, um, yeah, is yeah. likely winning right now. So it's like, I mean, or go to, you know, you can go to like your parents' house or someone like that even too. It's like, if you're, you know, my folks have lived in their house now for, since 97 right so it's been a they've been there for a while and you look at the what they bought it for and what the value is now i mean mm -hmm. yeah it's great and even in an uncertain market if things go prices go down a little bit i mean man they're still i guarantee you they'll still they're still sitting quite they're still sitting pretty on that on that property and i think that's you can say that for pretty much everybody for anybody in pretty much any market right yeah. you hold an asset long enough with real estate it, it it's, it's, you know, it's gonna work. You're gonna do okay. And if and if it's rent and if it's and you're using it as a rental, well, now you have you have somebody else that's paying for that asset, which is even which is even better. You know, yeah. so you're you're getting the appreciation, you're getting the cash flow, you're getting the tax. You know, you're, yeah. you're getting the benefits on the on the tax side, and all that. All and 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 while all that's happening, this thing's just gonna continue to rise up in value. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's Isn't it beautiful? I love it so much. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Hey, last question real quick, then we'll wrap this thing up. What is uh, a book or a resource that you use to help you make your decisions? Or what book would I, you recommend? I would say, so bigger, so a resource, I would say bigger pockets. If you're, if you're, you know, obviously it's, that's a podcast, right? So um, that was a resource I utilized a lot. Um, I, so I think like listening to podcasts and list talking to like-minded people is a great, is a great way to, a great way to do it. Truthfully, that's the thing I use the most. Um, truthfully, I haven't, I'm not a huge reader. I'm more of a just take action kind of guy, but I would say the one, one book I did read was, um, the one by Gary Keller. That was a great book to read. The one thing, um, yeah. yeah the one thing by Gary Keller was a great one. Um, rich dad, poor dad, obviously that's, that's, that's the one that everybody I'm sure says, but, yeah. um, that's the one that really just i think that's if you're going to read one i think that's 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 the one to read is rich dad rich dad poor dad, dad or the one yeah. thing i think like if you're going to read say one. Rich dad, <laughs> i would say rich dad poor dad and the reason is i think that just really it, it really pumps you up to like really just start investing and going for it right um so i think if someone's on the fence and they're not sure if they really want to take this journey i would say that'd be the one book to read Cool. You know, I love it. Love Michelle, it. you're great, man. Really appreciate you. Um, and uh, it's got me thinking like other markets, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really encouraged. I'm really encouraged by this. It's a great honor to meet you, man. Thanks for your success. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time, guys. This was, this was a lot of fun. And um, this is this is a great podcast, man. So so good luck to you guys on it. And, and I think you guys something pretty you got something pretty cool. Here. So hey, thanks. Thanks we'll do so it much. again. Thank, thank you yeah, guys for absolutely. watching. And thank you guys for watching and uh, just like, comment and share. Let us know who you are and where you're from. And uh, uh, yeah, send us your questions about real estate. And if we can help you out in any way, we'd be glad to do that. Thanks a lot.